Speaks, and this is my lovely wife, Kim. We are the founders and co-creators of the lifestyle brand and podcast, Becoming Disciplined. Every week we meet, learn from, and share best practices with highly disciplined men and women from a variety of fields and endeavors. Follow us on our journey. Karen Mayfield Felton is a self-professed geek and motivational speaker with 20 plus years of engineering experience and leadership in the private and public sectors. She is known as a STEM advocate, mentor, dynamic speaker, and thought leader who pursues outreach opportunities that prepare students and early career professionals to succeed while facing emerging challenges. Karen holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Chemistry from Norfolk State University and a Master of Engineering degree in Chemical Engineering from Clarkson University. Her awards include the Navy Meritorious Civilian Service Award, the Marine Corps Systems Command Mentor of the Year Award, and the Technology All-Star Award from Women of Color in STEM. But today, Karen Mayfield Felton is becoming disciplined. Today on Becoming Disciplined, we interview motivational speaker and STEM advocate, Karen Felton. Welcome, Karen, to Becoming Disciplined. We are so honored to have you. Thank you, Reverend Tony. I'm so glad to be here. All Thank right, you. all right, Thanks so all much right. for inviting me. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, Karen, before you educate us and share your current story, I think it's good for my audience to be aware Every superhero has an origin story. Amen. Yes, so if you can yes. let us know about your origin story, where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? Uh, how did we, you know, what, what is the genesis of Miss Karen? I absolutely can. Uh, I am from surprising Suffolk in Suffolk, Virginia. Um, it's, <laughs> it's the peanut capital, as people like to call it, country. Um, 58 going south, you know, that, that town that people just kind of breeze through when I was growing up. So that is where I am born. I'm also, I claim Norfolk. My father was from Suffolk. My mother was from Norfolk, Virginia. She grew up in Liberty Park. And so we lived in Suffolk and spent every other moment in church with my um, maternal and paternal grandparents in Norfolk. So I claim both Suffolk, Norfolk area. Um, in terms of childhood and parenting, I just shared with you, you know, what my parents are from. So my father, who is deceased, he left us in uh, 2016. He is, he was a amazing person. He was hard. My, my daddy was, was no joke. Um, at his uh, home going, uh, his pastor referred to him as triple OG. My uh -oh. daddy um, was a basketball coach, a teacher, shop teacher, um, just really um, a mentor and a coach to many young men like him that grew up either poor, um, that grew up not having structure, not having access, not having resources. Uh, he had very, very humble beginnings. So I saw my father. So I grew up going to the grocery store, young age, five, six, and seven, watching my father buy groceries for people in the community, his former students. I've seen him yoke up adults and kids um, that he has taught in the community. So I grew up with a hands-on, no-nonsense kind of dad. I describe him in, as a basketball coach, as the Black version of Bobby Knight. He was successful. He was no joke. He was tough. 
So that's my daddy. And I'm a daddy's girl. So I am very much um, uh, like him and, and good in some not real good ways. Um, <laughs> my mother uh, is a uh, retired educator. She went to Norfolk State. She grew up in Norfolk, as I said before. So she was the um, she she was the one that was making sure that we were refined, that, you know, she she raised three daughters, that we we had uh, educators. It was a debutante, you know, she took us to church. Um, she made sure that, you know, we were um, educated and polished. Her her background also poor. If anybody out there knows where Liberty Park is and has heard of it, you understand. Um, so humble beginnings for her. Education was very important. So in terms of discipline, my father was, you know, protector you know, thou shalt. And my mom was, don't bring home any C's, excellence. The bar was always set high. Um, she was actually tougher in some ways more so than my dad. And so that's who I was raised by. And I'm sandwiched between two sisters. I have an older sister and a younger sister. And that was pretty much my childhood, having parents who were educators. My mom, English professor, teacher of English, entrepreneur, uh, community leader, um, both of my parents were in sororities and fraternities, so they were very active, um, and we were busy, uh, and and that that's kind of where I honed in a lot of my my skill sets and where I started to kind of uh, define who I wanted to be because they they kind of set that path for me. Powerful, powerful. So, awesome. um, so Ms. Karen, with that in mind, with your dad being a, a basketball coach, did uh. Did you ever think about uh, 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 attacking the hardwood yourself? I did. So I went to my father's, I went to all of his practices. Um, I, I'm not sure he wanted me at all of them because I was a girl. He was coaching boys. But um, I tore my ACL in the ninth grade because I, I liked sports and it was picture day. And I didn't want, and I was the only girl to dress out. Meaning, you know, for those you put on your uniform and do all that, you know, athletic stuff and it rained and they were showing the girls how to catch a pass. And since I was the only girl that dressed out, I got to be the example and my body went one way. My knee went the other and I tore my ACL when I hit a gym floor. Oh. And that kind of set that's that set me back. <laughs> oh. So um, I um, I. I my father didn't necessarily teach athletics, but I learned by watching. So when they weren't paying attention to me, I took the ball. I was dribbling, you know, and I was practicing three point shots while he was coaching the team. So I played volleyball. Um, I, I like athletics. I, I, I like sports primarily because of him. But in terms of, you know, dressing out, putting on a uniform and having a number on my back, that was not my destiny. <laughs> I, hear you, I hear you. I hear you. God <laughs> redirected you, huh? He did. <laughs> he redirected you. And we wouldn't be talking about what we're talking about, I think. We would be talking about you in the WNBA or something. Oh, absolutely. Because so, my dad yeah. was good. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, um, what what role did Norfolk State play in who you've become today? So Norfolk State University, um, my, my alma mater for my bachelor's degree, played a significant role. So let me give you a little bit of context. Back in the day, there's a section called Tidewater Park, um, and it, it's, it was a poor section. And so my mom grew up in Liberty Park near there. Actually, she went to school with uh, Tim Reed. Tim Reed is from that area as well. And so 
Um, it was an opportunity for those that did not have a lot of money to become educated. It's a historically black college and university by definition. So it catered to educating black folk that could not go to other institutions. And so my mother was a product of that um, environment, having grown up in Norfolk. Um, and it was an honor, as I look back on it, to go to her alma mater, because I, I, I didn't, so here's this, I didn't want to go to Norfolk State because of the familiarity, because it was so close to home, because my mother went there, but it was the absolute best place for me because I had no sense. I had no, I had, I, I, I couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house <laughs> so that I could be grown. And so what Norfolk State did for me, it gave me a soft place to land when I, when I, when I really had no idea what I was doing. And um, I was I went there on a full uh, academic scholarship uh, called the Nemus Zorts National Institute for Mathematics and Applied Sciences. I majored in chemistry and it was an environment where the professors cared about whether I went to class. Matter of fact, most of them, because my mother went there and taught there, were her friends. So I, I saw the professors that were interested in my education in class and and socially as well, because they were friends with my parents, uh, either they went to school together, what have you. So it was instrumental. There were there were men and women who um, were able to pull me aside and say, watch who you're hanging with. Or um, they were able to say, you know, I think you should apply for this. Uh, they actually reinforced that I was capable of, of doing everything that the other predominantly white institutions were doing. And it was actually, um, it, it, was, it was tough. I'm gonna be real transparent because people that are from Norfolk, Portsmouth area, Norfolk State was not known <laughs> for being an academic institution back in the day. It is definitely known for that now. But um, in my mom's early era and, and part of my people are like, you're, you're interested in chemistry and you're going there. But let me tell you, it was the best place for me because it was close to home. Like I said, I, I had book sense. I didn't have a lot of common sense. And so when I went through that growing period of thinking I was grown and, and thinking that I was able to do grown things with other people that thought that they were grown too, I needed soft places. And I needed to be in arm's reach. So it was... Um, a, a, a very good, solid place to also make me feel good about being black, <laughs> about Amen. being a black Amen. woman. Maybe I mean it was it was it was uh, familiarity, um, and uh, even from the books that I had to read, you know, for English assignments and things like that. I mean, and it was community. So I was taught by people that grew up down the street, like my mom. I was taught, you know, the coaches went to the neighboring high school. So they knew people that went there. It was a really, really good environment. And, and I didn't want to go because I wanted to go um, to the techs and I wanted to go to uh, Spelman. I wanted to go to a and I wanted to get away from home base. And uh, I'm glad I did because I, I wouldn't be talking to you for sure. That's good. That's good. Now, um, it sounds like you were you had an aptitude at an early age for STEM but when did you realize that this was a calling? Like, so was that a was there a moment, or was it just a gradual thing that happened over time? 
I would say it was gradual. Um, so let me just be clear when I say this. There are a lot of smart kids out there. I'm not unique in that. I think it became a passion when I saw God's favor, when I saw doors open where so many people said that, that it shouldn't be open. How did you get that? How did you get two full scholarships? How, you know, I, 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 when I started to be in places where there were not other people that looked like me, I was like, this isn't by accident because clearly I'm not the smartest and the brightest. I have favor, but I didn't know that until much later on. Um, and so the passion uh, for me developed just out of hard knocks. Um, I, I was uh, in high school, my friends, we were on the dean's list, you know, at, in college and in high school getting, I made good grades. We were all, you know, smart and nerdy. That's why I call myself a geek. We were nerds. And so I knew that I had the ability to do more uh, in science, technology, math, and the interest. And I had good teachers. But in terms of the calling, the calling uh, came in grad school when I really, really, really hit a wall because that's where I found myself struggling and I didn't know what to do. And God says, I got you. And, and uh, to the point that I was so distraught about not being capable, about being at a PWI, predominantly white institution, where I represented every Black person, because I was the one that got the last scholarship that I wasn't supposed to get. So I put a lot of pressure on myself, and, and God saw me through times where I didn't know how I was going to pass tests and do exams, because the content was hard, and I struggled. And so once I made it through that, and then I started to mentor and talk to students that also had doubt, that also said, I'm not really supposed to be here, but you know, I don't know how I'm going to stay here. And I started to share you know, my experiences. And I was just like, you know, you didn't get to here by accident. You're supposed to, to pave a way for other people coming behind you that may feel like you or have similar experiences. So I would say when I started working. That, that's when I knew that this this is a passion for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I recently was talking to an African-American woman who was an expert in her field, and she had this big meeting that she was in, in, in involved in. And uh, she invited a co-worker, uh, a, a, fem a Caucasian co-worker, to come help her do the slides. And as she asked her to do the slides, she noticed that the white people in attendance began, even though she was the subject matter expert, uh, they began referring to the to the slide person as the, you know, deferring to the slide person instead of, and just kind of going right past her. Have, mm -hmm. have you experienced that in STEM in your career? And then if you have, what advice do you give to anyone who may be a younger person experiencing it? Yeah, I've experienced that so many times in so many different ways. It's hard. It's hard to count the ways. <laughs> so I'll give you one example. Um, about six years ago, I sat in on a meeting for um, my my SES, a member of senior executive service. Uh, I was their representative when they couldn't be there. And I it had happened so many times. I said, I'm going to play a trick. They don't know who I am. And so I had a seat at the table. And there were others who didn't have the equity 
in the meeting that I had that set, you know, you know, the chairs around the room. And I said, I'm going to see when I walk in where they asked me to sit. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, without even asking who I was and why I was there, they set me in the corner of the room. And I said, nope, I think I'll sit here because that's where my name tag is. Oh, oh, okay. You know, so, and that's just one one of many examples. So what I tell people is first and foremost, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have always been wise and have always had the right words to say. I have learned to be graceful. I have learned to not chop people's heads off and, and, and not, not to, and I'm shaking my head for real and not really check people uh, for their ignorance. I have learned to proceed with grace. And so that's the advice I give students, early career professionals. When you experience that, um, give grace because sometimes it's an oversight. And sometimes people are literally just doing what they've been doing for so long. And you have to decide within seconds how you want to represent yourself in that moment. What's your end game? If your end game is to show your tail and to and to tell people, you know, about, you know, to, to, to check them and to really, you know, you can't, you know, you know how how sometimes that could feel good. Um, are you going to change your mindset in that minute and a half? Or are you going to just say, are you, are you going to give in to the stereotypes that already exist? And so we always, now we, I encourage students and early career professionals to first seek understanding. Um, and it is okay to check people, but I think you need to, you need to understand there's a time and a place. And you need to gain understanding first. And sometimes you you even need to have the courage to have the conversation after the meeting. So what I didn't say is that when this individual um, decided that based on my appearance that I didn't need to be at the table after the meeting was over, I asked him, I said, sir, who did you, sir, notice I called him, sir, so who did you think I was when I walked in the room? And he said, you know what, I am so sorry. I didn't have to say anything because he knew immediately what he did. And so in this space that we're in today, there's a time and a place. There's There's always time for grace, but you really do need to decide within seconds what is the most important thing here. Is it for you to to put people in their place and potentially have no effect to the root of what caused them to act that way? Or do you say you put that aside, deal with what you're there to deal with and then pick it back up later? And I highly encourage uh, folks to check their to check their emotional acquu because sometimes Tony, we can get it wrong. That's true. Um, That's true. We can get it wrong. And so if we're if if your goal is to make progress, then um, you have the response. And it's hard because sometimes you just get tired of it. It's called the microaggressions the over time, the little cuts, the little cuts just keep happening. And, you, and, and there will be moments where you're just like, I can't I can't be calm right now. Um, but I encourage you to always ask yourself the first question, what matters most in this moment? Mm, good, good stuff. What good matters stuff. most? Good stuff, good stuff. Now, um, 
What advice do you give to people who did not have Mr. and Mrs. Mayfield to keep them straight in high school? Uh, and they were knuckleheads in high school and, you know, um, may have, may have, you know, hit community college or may have, you know, they made their way, but now the world is changing. They're calling it the, the big reboot or the big, uh, I think they're calling it the reapplication or the, re yeah. uh, I forgot what we're calling it now, but, uh, now you have AI coming and. Uh, you you know, AI is going to be replacing people and things are changing. Uh, what advice would you I know you have a calling to the younger people, but what do you what do you have any advice for the middle aged person who they missed the boat the first time? Should they just give up regarding STEM or or do you have any good advice to them of how they can jump back in midstream? <laughs> oh, please don't give up. If you're if you consider yourself midstream, um, there are many opportunities. First and foremost, I'm gonna say something that may be unpopular for folks. College isn't for everybody. It absolutely is not. Whether you got parents like mine or or whether you you just don't um excel well in that space, <laughs> people don't understand when I was in manufacturing. The person that got the most respect in that plant didn't have a college degree. Mm. He could fix anything he touched. Wow. He knew how it worked. He knew the mechanics of it. And that was because of life experience and because he was a tradesman uh, and females, too. And he understood what um, what was important to him. And so he never wanted a college education. He wanted people to get out of his way so he could work in the gift that he was given, which was mechanical. He was mechanically inclined. So let's just say you are mid midstream and you have a desire to uh, pursue STEM. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time it is in your time zone. At least on my time, it's it's after church and I don't know about you sometimes after church I'm just lacking energy Courtney yes can you get me can you get me a uh, one of them vitamins that your mama takes there you go daddy let me try one of these tastes pretty good my God, my God, Q, what are you having there? It's made with vitamins B9 and B12. It's it's great for my overall health. It's made with pectin, a unique fiber in fruit peels. It's simple and delicious. Kim, did you know that more people search apple cider vinegar in the U.S. than tea? Google has 15,000 people searching that word every day in the U.S. alone. Kim, how can more people get this gummy? If you want to support the podcast... Or if you're looking to improve your health, you can order these gummies at https forward slash forward slash go.goalie.com forward slash becoming disciplined. Don't forget to use our promo code becoming disciplined. Uh, you can go to a community college. There are scholarship programs uh, for for non-traditional students. Um, there's so much money out there for STEM because everybody has a part to play where you may not be interested in the calculus 
and the chemistry, but you have leadership skills and common sense and you know how to deal with people, take a couple of management courses and work your way up because there's a, there's a space for you in somebody's company or organization where you don't need to necessarily be the bean counter or the STEM person, you know, uh, doing the mathematics or the AI. You may need to be the manager of the manager of the people that are doing all those things because there's there's a place for you as well. And there's also I mentioned trades. Um, we're snobs. Some some of us. I'm not going to say that I, I I'm not a snob. I I purpose to not be. But there are folks that 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 look at you differently when they find out that you don't necessarily have a degree. And I think that that's unfortunate because life skills, I call it on the job training, life training, those are just as important. So if you have a desire, let's say you're, you're, you're a gamer or um, you're interested, you, you have a love for computers, but you've never taken a computer course. There's still a place for you. In this society, you do need credentials. You do need to show that you have mastered a concept of some kind, but that credential no longer has to be a diploma. It just depends on where it is you desire to go. If if what if where you want to contribute, you can do you can start a nonprofit. You can start a nonprofit program teaching students your gift of, of mechanics or your gift of people skills. Um, we have uh, folks that apply to the scholarship program that I work for as students, they're in college, and a lot of them don't have a laboratory or work experience at you know, some DOD or some technical company. And this young lady, she was like, but I was a manager at Starbucks. I said, and you're not putting that on your application, why? You deal with people. That's customer service. That's time management. You check when people come in on time. You close. You set up. I said, you. I've just listed off eight skills that I that I know lots of folks don't even have. So never count yourself out. Um, have an idea of where you want to go and think about what it is that you're good at and decide if it's the degree credential that's required or if it's a certification. And you can gain both and still contribute to STEM, just like someone with a four-year degree. Okay, okay. Now, uh, tough question here, and because I've heard people come up with two different answers, I'm, I'm very curious what you have to say. Um, you know, sometimes in church, uh, and I've been guilty of this, the evangelist uh, wants everybody to be an evangelist, or the, um, you know, the pastor wants everyone to be a Bible scholar, or the, mm -hmm. you know, whoever, whatever your gift is, you want everyone uh, to be able to do what your gift is. I got a question for you. Do you think we should all learn how to code or have my, my friends who know how to code, do they just want everyone to be like them? Which, which, which one is the truth, Ms. Karen? I trust, I trust your opinion. Uh, that's a hard question indeed. And here's, here's why. Um, the world is ever evolving and changing. You mentioned it already. There's Alexa, there's drones, there's, there's machines that can now do <laughs> what humans do with better accuracy. And so um, because I believe in inclusivity, I believe that there's space for the individual that doesn't know how to work their phone 
just like there's space for the person who can do 15 things with their phone, text and send videos at the same time. And I am somewhere in between. I think it really depends on what I'm asked to do and what I need at the time. So if if you're someone in my space or on my team and I need and I need you to be able to, to understand how to work your phone, I'm going to get frustrated when you can't. Uh, and I'm probably not going to rely on you for that skill. But because I do like computers, because I do stay up on technology, I don't require that of other people. But I'm not going to lie when I say you don't know how to do that. But it's it's not important for some people. Um, but I, I, I acknowledge that we need everybody, um, those that are not inclined and those that are. But personally, it it is helpful when I can communicate at a certain level. And there's somebody out there that's probably going to watch this and know me and be like, well, you can't do X and they're going to get frustrated with me. So there's different there's different layers of that. But um, I would say, yes, I, I do have some expectations that folks are a little knowledgeable about what's going on. But if they're not, it gives me an opportunity to educate too and learn and learn from those folks the, that age group that knows 10 times more than me about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I heard a great analogy once that the kids, uh, I won't say me and Karen's age, but uh, the kids that are 20 years or 15 years younger than us, they are what's called uh, digital natives. And because mm-hmm. we didn't necessarily grow, you know, we didn't immediately grow up on it. Because I don't know, I mean, I don't know about you, but my first experience with a computer I think it was an it was an Apple and it was like one of those old uh, Lisa's or or I think it's called a mm. Lisa or whatever. With the big and monitor? We no, with the big monitor. And we were just moving the little turtle across the screen and we were given F prompts to move, you know, just to move it to the left and moving. And we thought we were doing big stuff because we moved the turtle to the left or to the right through our 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 little uh our little commands that we were given. So mm-hmm. Uh, but a great analogy I heard is that we are uh, people like like ourselves. We're digital immigrants, and oh, yeah. the kids are digital natives. Like my daughters yes. grew up on, on yep. the screen, and they're already finding. Matter of fact, I, thank God my daughters didn't do this. But uh, I heard this gentleman. Uh, it was a podcast I was listening to, and his daughter took a screenshot. No, he she did a screen recording of the mom's phone. So she did a screen recording of the mom's phone. So when the mom put her password in, she went and went back to the screen recording to see what the password is so that she could get into her mom's phone when her mom was not, you know, was not around. So, you know, and that just shows you the kids, they can, they can, they can get around these things a little faster than we can because they're digital natives, not immigrants. Now, uh, with that being said, Ms. Karen, can you educate us about feet planted and 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 why feet planted give it tell us how you got the name feet planted and then also tell us what feet planted does and 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 we're just we're just i could see i could see you light up when i mentioned feet planted so uh you could just talk to us about feet planted i absolutely can um feet planted started as an opportunity for me to branch out and um, do motivational speaking. In my current role, I get asked to do a lot of keynotes and speak to um, underserved, underrepresented groups in STEM, 
African-Americans, Latinx, females, and encourage them first-generation college students, as you kind of alluded to earlier. And so I recognized that I lit up. Like I was just like all in. And I and I and I would tell folks that I mentored, when you find something that makes you sit up in your chair and you forget what you said and you just going in, pay attention to that. Apologies, people call me. Pay attention to that. And so that that's what I started to do. And people would ask me to speak more and more. Uh, and the, the subject matter went from STEM to life skills, because again, understanding who I was raised by to me is application of life skills. And you apply that, you just pick a thing and apply it to that. So feet planted for me um, was the name that originated. The the name originates from Psalm one verses one through three. And if you don't in mind, I would like to read them. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And and in his law doth he meditate day and night, verse three, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so I was familiar with that verse, but the more I started to think about it, it's just like, in addition to all the other verses of the Bible, I said, Jesus, did he, the psalmist just laid out how to how to do it. It's progressive. Right. You know, he laid out plain. If you want to be blessed, if you want to be happy, don't do this. Delight in the Lord. Meditate on the word of God day and night. And then he shall be prosperous. He shall be transplanted. That's what that word means by the rivers of water and bring us forth food and prosper and shall not whether he will have much success. And so when I think of STEM and how to help students uh, and teachers and early career professionals be prosperous, but not just in the nine to five, but be prosperous in, in life, because oftentimes we don't pursue our passion or we don't even pursue our gifts. One, because we don't know what our gift is. And two, we're just all over the place. And when I read this again, I said, feet planted. I said, that, that's, what, that's what I do. I help people plant their feet on firm, solid ground. So I have a faith-based foundation. Um, I, I, I love the word of God. And for me, the foundation of the scripture is how to be happy. That's what that blessed translation means, but also be happy in your pursuit and the specific in how you do it. So what's interesting for me is that I'm in STEM. So I plan to speak to to non-churchy people about something that's based in the Bible, but the practical application of it is so clear. Um, and that's, that's how Feet Planet came to be. And so what, what, what I am doing and what I am going to do and what I pray about is taking verse one and distilling it down to practical advice that anyone, regardless of where you are in your faith, can apply on how to walk and how to stand and how to sit. Those words, those are verbs and they're progressive. And in each case, blessed is the man that walketh not. It's the converse. So I'm telling you what not to do in order so you can have success. And for me, it's important because not only do we self, um, we self reject who we are in the world 
if you don't, if if you happen to be someone who does not have a foundation of faith, then you're even more confused because there's there's no foundation. There's just nothing there. And so I want to to lean in and say, I've I've made some mistakes in life. I've made some mistakes with my education, and this is how I this is what I did and didn't do. These are the decisions that I made and I didn't make. Basically, I'm trying to give you the benefits of some of the dumb stuff that I did as a student, as a college student, and as a professional, because it's progressive. It doesn't stop. And Mm. so if I can encourage um, that audience to acknowledge that they have a unique set of gifts through the eyes of Jesus, because he created you, that you, you just weren't created on a whim. And so it, oh, by the way, if you are inclined technically, or you have a desire to pursue science, if you're curious about that, then I can help you hone in on that. I can help you with college. If that's what you want to do, I can help you with your studies because let's just face it. We're in an age now, you know, this pandemic has shaken, shaken the core of some of our our beliefs, like why go to school? You know, everything's virtual, you know, think, you know, things like that. And what I, what I'm really leaning in to do is, is to, to share the beauty of God's word practically so that they have life skills to apply. So when they show up in the world, they know who they are. They know who they are. Mm. They know how they can contribute. Uh, and success is different for different people. And so it's beyond the job. It's beyond the promotion. But I need to teach you how to get it because we need representation of light at those levels as well. So that is that's my purpose. I hope I explained that <laughs> clearly that enough. It was beautiful. And that's beautiful. I have a, a comment for our Christian listeners because we're probably around 60 percent Christian, maybe 30 percent secular. So. Um, I have a comment for our Christian listeners and I have a question for our secular listeners. My comment for our Christian listeners is I admit I, as the host here today, um, as a young person, I cared nothing about science, technology, engineering. I I was, I was good at mathematics, but the rest, I, I just was put me in a science lab and I was dependent on everybody else in the lab to get me through it, you know? And uh, I was awful at it until it was after I got saved, I ran into this gentleman, uh, I ran into him online and then I met him in person as well. But his name was Dr. Hugh Ross and he was a Christian. He's not a Christian scientist. He's a Christian, but he's also an astrophysicist from Canada. And Mm -hmm. he has this whole organization called uh, Reasons to Believe or or Reasons.org. And he began to explain science from a God standpoint. And he began to explain science and explain this, this world we're living in from a, from, a, from a heavenly standpoint, from a scriptural standpoint. And then all of a sudden, I just, I couldn't get enough. And I, I felt, I, I began as a 30-year-old man, I began to fall in love with, with a lot of uh, science-based topics. So, um, you know, I think sometimes if people don't see the application, it's hard for them to connect. Oh, yeah. And when I was in high school, I never saw the application 
no one tied into me why I needed to know these things. And I'm thankful for your organization to help people to tie it all in, you know, because, you know, when I was in high school, I just wanted, I wanted, you know, one day I wanted to be a lawyer and wanted to run for political office and I wanted to do those things. <laughs> and, and, or there was a little bit of me that wanted to be a thug, you know, and, and science was not helping me, at least from my perspective with any of those things. Right. So uh, I, until I found God, I never, I never saw the tie-in. But then, you know, God, he, he created us and he gave us, he's the one, he's the author of this science. Awesome. So uh, I just had that, I wanted to say that to our, our spiritual listeners, our, our Christian listeners. But then I wanted to as well just ask a question for the secular person listening. If you were asked to speak at a secular group, what disciplines or what areas would you recommend that they work on? in order to succeed at STEM, you know, for the person who's like, all right, I hear you can, you know, I hear you can, you know, but, but they, they don't want, they don't want to hear anything spiritual and right. they want to just like, all right, just, just tell me what I need to do. Okay. What advice do you give to that person? The advice that I give, because I do both. Um, I, I talk about resiliency. I talk about um, showing up. I talk about behavior. And I talk about what you want your outcome to be. And so if you are not, uh, we don't have, and we may not have the same faith. You may have a faith base that may be different from mine. And so when I talk about uh, what is it that you want, a lot of students, um, quite frankly, uh, we're distracted. I mean, and that that's part of my, I don't want to call it a pitch, but when I talk to people, it's like, I was distracted. 20 some odd years ago. So you can imagine the distractions now. Do you even know what you're good at? Like, do you, do you even know your unique gift? Do you know you have them? Mm -hmm. um, I was explaining to a young lady about, um, she, she put in the chat when I was speaking that she's just like, I don't, I hear you. I make decent grades, but I don't know what I'm good at. And I asked her, I said, what do your friends ask you most? What's the most thing that your friends ask you to do? And she said, my friends always call me the peacemaker because I'm the one that's just like, hold on, wait a minute, I'm the voice of reason. I said, and how often does that happen when you all get together? I'm talking to a teenager, right? And she's just like a lot because, you know, people can be messy. And she was just describing her situation. I said, now, do you realize that that's probably one of your strengths, that you have the ability in the midst of confusion to 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 bring things back to a normal steady state. I said, you know, everybody can't do that. I said, when you're in the classroom, do your teachers ask you to do things that they don't ask anybody else to do? She's like, yeah, they want me to do this. And they give me assignments to like uh, put this away or watch this during lab. I said, you know why? Because they see that you're responsible. So when I start to just talk to people, I, I meet people where they are and I help them recognize who they are and how they show up. And then I ask them, how do you want to show up? And so unlocking what students don't consider to be strengths in education is part of unlocking who they will be as adults. It opens the door beyond stereotypes. So, new, so I'm pretty sure that if you were to see her group of friends coming, you'd be like, oh, here's trouble. But you wouldn't know that there's one person in the group 
that if foolery broke out, she's going to be the one to, to put a stop to it. And that is the quality that I want her to recognize. That's what I want her to lean into when she goes and shows up to places where people look at her and automatically cancel her out. And if individuals don't know that about themselves, then they will begin to play out and live out what other people expect. And therefore we've lost the potential. Notice I haven't said anything about STEM. It's, it's, it's about, because in order to, in order to know you can do calculus, you have to believe that you can learn. You have to believe that you can contribute and add value to a space. And we're dealing with students and folks and adults that don't even know how they add value. Mm. And, and so that's, that's where, that's where I come at. I come at the individual. I appeal to who you are and I, I, I gain understanding and I reshape what I see into the positive. And then we may, we may talk about, we may talk about STEM later. Um, but it's the, it's the, it's my love for science and curiosity and did matched or, or added to my love for people that allows me to have a conversation about what it is that you want to do. And now this young lady is applying for scholarships all over the place because she, she, she has a pride about who she is now. And so that can be applied to other areas of her life. Mm, that's all, that's powerful. So you got to fix the operating system before you can upload new software, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Now, now Ms. Karen, uh, what book outside the Bible has shaped mm -hmm. you in the most profound fashion? And then also, what book do you recommend to the people who are getting started in STEM that helped you. So what book as a whole has, has been the greatest impact, but then also what book within the STEM community for someone who is just getting started or someone who is curious about what they can do with, with, with their new career, what book do you recommend for that? Okay. That's the second part is, is a little tougher. The first one is easy. I, one, I love reading. Amen. There's a bookshelf behind me, lots of books on there. I enjoy reading. Uh, the book that I read about uh, four months ago that I and, I and I have quotes because it's such a good book is Let the World See You, How to Be Real in a World Full of Fakes by Sam Acho. Oh, wow. Sam Acho is an NFL player. Um, he is a motivational speaker. He's he's uh, retired. He's a ESPN newscaster. He has a brother who also played in the NFL. And so his book is about being authentic mm -hmm. and the necessity of being real because the world needs exactly who you are. And after reading that book, it kind of put, it kind of sealed, it, it put the topper on my purpose in that because I can only do this because I know who I am. Mm. And on and the cherry on the top is that I know who I am in Christ, which is just an added bonus. And so what he does is he talks about um, the challenge of he's a big guy. <laughs> he's like talk, being lanky, being teased um, for not having the, the best clothes or being the size that everybody else was, being criticized. Father's a pastor, being criticized for being Christian. Um, being criticized for not being hard enough for not cussing. So he he didn't fit into a lot of spaces. And once he realized who he was 
and 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 how he was supposed to show up and really owning his unique gift he saw opportunities show up where he was the perfect person to walk in the door. And so that's kind of my message um, that I have for myself and that I like to share with people. Now, when it comes to getting to um, getting interested and getting to know kind of what more, more about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, um, I don't have a book recommendation, but I like Google. And um, I encouraged uh, one of one of my mentees who um, parents reluctantly did not want her to go to college um, and major in graphics and gaming. Uh, this young lady also gaming is is I'm going to say it predominantly male type thing. And she was a good gamer. She was online killing it with the scores and everything else. But she also had a love for graphics. So she started connecting with the, um, the, 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 the people who wrote the, the code and gaming. She said, I saw this glitch because she spent so much time gaming, she could see the glitches. Mm. And so she just Googled um, game testers or she Googled uh, graphics. And it, it wasn't a book per se. Uh, she actually Googled what her interest was mm. and found out that there was a local gamer, this is in Maryland, who was looking for testers for their new game that they were launching. And they are now paying her to play that game for hours so that she can see the glitches. Wow. wow. That's STEM. That's um, um, and so there, there are probably already books out there. Um, I honestly didn't, didn't read a book about STEM because it's changed. Science is so, I mean, the world has changed so rapidly that the internet is probably better at maybe understanding the uh, emerging technologies, uh, artificial intelligence, biotechnology, um, uh, computer science, cyber, than probably any book. I think when you find what it is that you most identify with or are interested in, then look for the book, maybe on that topic to kind of refine your interests and maybe point you in a direction. But uh, I hate to say it, I would start with Google. Um, so, Miss Karen, there's a lot of people right now. Elon Musk is a character where, you know, he says something and, and, and stock markets are shifted and, and, and lives are changed in cryptocurrency and, and whatnot. Who is someone in tech that you look up to? Someone in tech that I look up to. I am a LinkedIn person. Like I'm on LinkedIn a lot. And um, I actually have I'd have to pull up my account to find their names. Um, but these are individuals who um, work for the Department of Defense, uh, their Navy, uh, one works for the Army, and they are on the cutting edge of technology and they're in recruitment for these mines uh, to, to do uh, and support our um, Department of Defense in the next big thing. And so I follow them and that's where I get my information when students ask me that same question. Um, the other source, um, so it's, it's multiple people and I don't, I don't have their names on, in front of me. I could probably uh, send that back to you. Um, modernization areas of study is um, a Department of Defense initiative with 12 areas to include AI, cyber, um, biotechnology. Uh, there, there are 12 of them. I'm trying to see if I can list them real quick. Oh, biotechnology, autonomy. Uh, directed energy, microelectronics, physics, quantum science. And so if you were to 
do a Google search on modernization areas um, across the Department of Defense, across all of the services, there is an initiative for those specific 12 areas because someone has identified that that's where our nation needs to shore up. So if you are interested in any of those things, that's, that's, that's where STEM is directed. Um, and the other one is fully network command control and communications technology, you know, making sure that you can you can talk across the airwaves um, in, in, in some of our technology. Uh, and, I, and the last one that's not on here is the is the car industry. Um, <laughs> when you get into a car now and that GPS system, you don't realize where all that stuff is going. And so the technology that we use in our everyday lives needs to also be at the ready. Uh, in our nation's defense. So those are the those are the specific topics. And there are leaders, not just in the services, but there are leaders um, that are in charge of those efforts. And, and, and if you're interested in any of those things that I named, I would start there. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Now, becoming disciplined, we examine discipline or organization in the following areas. Spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. Now, a lot of people ask me, what do you mean home and data organization? I'm talking about how lovely those books look behind you. All right. <laughs> and uh, I'm talking about uh, your phone. Uh, like, uh, is it just 13,000 pictures just scrambled all over your phone or is it all neatly organized in different folders? So that's what that's what I'm talking <laughs> about there. But we looked at we look at all of those areas because, you know, discipline falls into all of those areas. If you're not disciplined okay. in one area, it can cause you some problems. Which of these do you consider your strong points? Which of these do you think could use some work? And if there is an area that could use some work, um, what is your plan in 2022 to sharpen and sharpen yourself up in that area? And let me just repeat it. I have to repeat it for everybody. Don't feel bad. Uh, spirituality, mental discipline, physical discipline, emotional intelligence, financial discipline, time management, and home and data organization. What's the strong point? What's the undeveloped area and what's the plan in 2022? I love this question because you are 100% right. <laughs> Everything that you mentioned is connected to discipline. So my strongest points, and since my, 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 my lovely husband is on, I would love to know if he would agree with me. Mental discipline is one of my strongest uh, in home and data organization. I say that I have a little bit of OCD. Um, I don't know, that hasn't been proven yet, but I do believe in having everything in its place. Um, my mind actually has a hard time in clutter and chaos. So my coworkers, as an example, my coworkers knew that I was a little stressed when they saw me reorganizing my office. Right. Because they're like, okay, she needs things neat. That means there's something in here that she's trying to put in order in place. And so um, that goes along with mental discipline. I really, I really do um, monitor what goes in here. And that, and I, and I credit my pastor, Pastor Clyde W. Ellis Jr. with that. I, I really do try to try to pay attention to what I'm watching, what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, and that affects my mental discipline because if it's not in line with who God has called me to be and, and where he wants me to go and what's relevant, I will easily, because <laughs> I have a little bit of ADHD too, I'll be distracted and I'll be over here when I'm supposed to be over here. Um, and in terms of what could use some work, I, I believe spirituality is always a progressive thing. I 
attend a Bible teaching church with an amazing pastor, my opinion, amazing pastor who teaches the word of God 100%. And so I, uh, I strive to improve that area one uh, by submitting to my pastor, by submitting to the word of God and attending Bible study regularly, um, simply because I know me and I know that I can be easily distracted. Uh, I'm not immune to stress, life circumstances. We all go through that stuff. And if I'm going to be who God called me to be, where he's called me to be, then I have to regularly check in and and regularly um, get weighed on, on where I am at any moment in time. And it's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but um, that's that's an area that could use some work. And that's what I'm working towards having that, having that time to, to pray, to, to actually read the word, to study it and to surround myself with other people who want to do the same. Cause you know, everything can't be left up to Karen's own interpretation. I need iron sharpens iron. I need to talk to other people and talk to other people that don't always agree with my point of view. The word of God is my standard, but you know, I, I'm, I'm a quote you. Everybody is the sum total of where they live, the books they read, what they've watched, right, and who they've talked to. And so if I'm going to enhance the lives of people, then I have to expose myself to that same variety so that I can then show up where I need to show up. Um, And then physical discipline. I work out. (laughs) It takes a lot of energy to... um, I mean, I'm at home. I work from home like a lot of people do. And I sit a lot. This chair, I'm in meetings, Zoom meetings all a lot. And so um, physical discipline is important because I need to take care of myself. So I work out. I strive to work out five days a week. And um, I and that also helps my endorphins. It helps clear out some of the clutter um, with with the demands that are on my time, both at work, both at at home. And I think that um, it's just is necessary to, to, to kind of get that because what what stays in ends up affecting the inside. And, and so I just choose to to sweat it out as, as, as often as I can on some regular basis, which requires discipline. Um, and that's a commitment to me um, so I can take care of myself and be where I'm supposed to be. Awesome. 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 Now, where can people get a hold of Miss Karen? Felton, amen. And how can how can they get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? How can they ask you to come out to speak? And then also, if anyone needs any mentorship, where where can where can they connect with you, and how can they find you? Thank you for asking that question. My website is karenfelton.com. You can read about me um, and who I am at the very bottom. All the social media outlets. So I am on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, Karen Mayfield Felton, you can find me on LinkedIn there. And you can also uh, reach me again on the social media outlets. On my webpage, uh, it says, let's talk at the top. So you can schedule some time with me, share with me about your event or uh, or the opportunity where you'd like me to show up. And we can have a conversation that way. Uh, My email address is Karen. Uh, I have a unique spelling. It's K-A-R-R-I-N speaks at gmail.com. So you can send me an email there. 
Um, but connect with me in any number of those ways, any number of those ways, and be specific about what you'd like to talk about. So that helps me prepare to engage with you. Um, and I and I enjoy mentoring. I I really do like people, and my my goal and my heart and my passion is to show up, meet people where they are, and use the benefit of what I know, what I don't know, what I've learned to help get you where you're also supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Well, my, my, my dear sister, Karen, we can't thank you enough for coming on. You didn't have to do this. You didn't need to do this. We truly appreciate it. You have the last word. Do you have any closing thoughts for our audience? And our audience, just so you know, is 30 to 55-year-olds, uh, predominantly Christian, but we have, a, we have a few secular followers as well. So if you could just share any closing thoughts for that audience that I lovingly call the Get Better Club. Awesome. Um, I would like to tell your audience that you are not here by accident. Won't no okie dokes. Won't no psh, we'll just create you. You are unique. You are gifted. And we need exactly who you are right now. So if you're trying to be somebody else, please stop. If you're not sure of who you want to be, um, please do some introspection or talk to somebody who is wise. Um, and, and, and start to think about who you are and, and where you'd like to end up and where you'd like to be because the world absolutely needs absolutely needs you not the not the 2.0 of somebody else not who you saw in that in that filtered video or picture on social media the world needs you exactly who you are and um, in my heart, I'm asking you to, to please come forward. If you enjoyed Karen Felton as much as we did, please check her out on Facebook at Feet Planted LLC.